Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. You're Josh. I'm Josh. And you're Jimmy. I'm Jimmy. This is Paradox. No, actually, I'm not Jimmy. Hi, I'm Bob. Bob from Artillery. Movie. Uh, Cars. No, that was Good Morning Vietnam. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. And the reason I say that is because due to allergies, the right half of my head doesn't work. Mm. I can't hear a thing. We were just talking about a show, a show that has been on, not on for a while called Inside the Actors Studio. Can you do your voice? No, James Lipton, I'm not going to do that. Why not? Because he... No. What's funny is Will Ferrell doing James Lipton. Yes. That's Google that. And he would end the show with questions. Yes. Just random questions. Like they would talk about the actor's career, and then it would just be random questions. Like The famous Jean-Jacques Cousteau was famous for asking. I don't know. It was just (laughs) some stupid thing that everyone seemed to think they understood what he was saying. Well, he would, when you go to heaven, what do you want God to say? Yes. And my favorite was... Your favorite curse word. your favorite curse word? (laughs) Jimbo, what's yours? Uh, Shoot. (laughs) <laughs> oh, poop. That's not your favorite curse word. I wouldn't know. There's children in the car. Jimbo. I wouldn't know. You I, can't I, say I, shoot. I don't curse, so mm-hmm. that's the thing. First off, bringing that home, I mean, that's just a shame that you would even talk about that. Hmm. Shame on you. Such a shame. Today we're talking about shame. We are talking about shame. It's not a super great topic, but... But it's a super prevalent topic. It is. And I think that we think that shame drives not only a lot of what you do in your life, but it also drives a lot of what your kids do. Mm -hmm. And so learning to recognize shame, we believe, is important. So this mom was in my office with her son. The mom was trying to convince me what a rotten kid it was, he was, and he was trying to convince me what a rotten mom he had. And they were describing some altercation they got into the week before. She said, well, I mean, yes, I lost my tipper and I told him blah, blah, blah. And he said, that's not what you said. And she goes, yes, it was. And he said, no, you said you wished I would never have been born. And she said, she kind of stopped like the jig is up. She didn't actually deny it. She said, well, you know, I didn't mean that. So in anger, You know, she was thinking with adrenaline, not with serotonin. This mom tells her son that she wished that he had not been born. That is not complaining about a behavior. That is communicating that you have no worth to me. Contempt comes to mind. Disdain. And that's, it's those types, not, and not, not even things of that extreme. I think everyone can agree that's something you say if you would like to bestow shame upon your child. That's the way that you do it. But 
you have an example of how shame is communicated in much less severe ways. Yeah, because it can be so subtle. And I know I feel and am driven by shame a lot. And an example from my own life, I do not take critiques. Well, surprised? That's stupid. Except for when you body shame me. I take mm -hmm. that very well. <laughs> but my wife, Catherine, Katie, she's a saint. She never does anything wrong. But I do a lot. And because I do something wrong often, she will point out or critique. I never receive it as a critique. I mostly receive it as criticism. I personalize it. And because of that, I treat it bigger than it actually is. You know, she's just telling me, pick up my underwear, where, and I wear boxers. I'm a boxer man. Mm -hmm. So I don't really do underwear. But, you know, I receive it as like a critique on my person. And that's shame speaking. And so what I do is I, I then maybe machine gun her with seven things that I've been holding on to, you know, as far as what she's been doing to annoy me or, or I puff up and I don't talk to her for a while. You know, whatever the case may be, I'm not able to actually handle the situation appropriately be, because I personalize it in shame. To me, when she says, pick up your underwear, it's not about the underwear. It's not that I've done something quote-unquote wrong. It's because I am wrong. That's and how you feel. Correct. And that's what shame does. You know, guilt, appropriate guilt, actually brings us towards our Heavenly Father. It communicates, I have done something wrong. Where shame says you are something wrong, and the last thing we want to do is move towards our Heavenly Father. We want to run, like Adam and Eve did. They didn't have guilt at first. They had shame. They hid. And so that is just a small way where, where shame creeps up in my marriage. The central theme here is to understand, and we're going to be using some terminology, that John Gottman, who's sort of the guru of, of uh, marriage therapy in America, he will use these terms as well, or Brene Brown, guilt is our friend. Guilt is not a bad thing. Guilt is actually a good thing. And in some ways, you could say that the Holy Spirit uses guilt as conviction of the Holy Spirit, that you've done something wrong. You need to recognize that you've done something that is wrong and try to correct it. Ask forgiveness, make amends. Guilt sort of is our friend. Shame, on the other hand, as you mentioned earlier, it's not that I have done something wrong. Shame is I feel that I am something wrong. To your point, Katie wants to complain about a behavior but if you think there's something that I'm doing something wrong, then I must be a bad person. Correct. I personalize it. I get huffy. And I'm not able to appropriately handle the situation. And I think that plays out all the time with your kids when they get PO'd at you for parenting them, right, and giving them consequences. Like when they're a post office uh, box? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. In our marriages, shame drives so much of what we do, and we've got to be able to identify it. To work a, around it. There are a lot of spouses that have a difficult time taking a complaint. If I'm going to complain about something that you're doing, you must mean that I'm a bad person. Like you say, it's something that even wasn't intended, because certainly St. Catherine is not, I mean, she wouldn't intend that. So it's something that you interpret. You convert what she's saying into shame. And here's the problem with shame. Yes, it is us seeing ourselves as a bad person, that this behavior or this is who we are. But here's some other really, really foundational shame 
shame is toxic. Shame has its insidious in all the ways in which it will infiltrate sort of our souls. Shame separates us. If I'm a bad person, then I've got to pull away. If I'm a bad person, if someone knew who I really was, then they wouldn't love me. We harbor this feeling in ourselves that we're not worthy, that there's something wrong with us. Again, we have this secret life that if people really saw what we were thinking about, saw what we have done, therefore who we are, there's no way that they could ever love us or forgive us. Recording our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families. We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but on this podcast, we are literally taking baths in $100. Jimbo, Jimbo we, we're not making any money. And actually, as of right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see, see, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help, we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellifry, mellifo. The word you're looking for is mellifluous. And so shame separates us. Shame isolates us. And anyone who does therapy, isolation is the boogeyman. Isolation breeds actually more shame, and isolation breeds sin. Isolation breeds pathology, and that sin and that pathology leads to more shame. And just it's just this ongoing... Yeah, the last thing I want to do when I'm licking my own wounds in personalizing this is... That's sort of uh, gross. ...is connect with Katie, right? Like the one person that I need to connect with to solve this problem in our relationship, I'm pushing away. I'm either pushing away through attacking her or I'm pushing away through not talking. And so shame does the exact opposite of what brings healing. Solution? As far as us not putting shame off on other Can people. Can I backtrack? So, no. Yeah, <laughs> fine. How might uh, shame play out in our kids? I talked about anger when, you know, they're given consequences. How does shame play out in our kids? Yeah. So, again, isolation. Um, spending a lot of time in the room. Oh, absolutely. And the deal is, is children have so fewer synapses connected. Sometimes it's very difficult for them not to take a complaint about their behavior. Because they're so egocentric. And run yep. with it. Yep, 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 yep. That if you're mad at me, that must mean I am bad. It's me, yep. I am a bad boy. Everything we're saying here is just multiplied when you're talking about how we phrase something with our children. So how do we not do that? How do we not convey shame? Well, first To our off, spouse or children. To our spouse or children, first off, is name-calling. Anytime we want to call them a name, it's either stupid or that was dumb. Anytime we're going to phrase something to our spouse or to our child, especially our child, and it's you are blank. You are such a blank. 
man, you're being such a little jerk. Again, I'm not complaining about your behavior. I'm saying that you are a little jerk. And that child is just going to take that on. And we say that to our spouses all the time. You are so, I can't believe you are blank. We use this phraseology that just like puts a stamp of shame on the other person that we're, we're talking to. Again, one of the ways we can avoid this is use Gottman's terminology. He said, we should complain about behavior, not criticize who they are as a person. So I'm going to complain all day long about what you were doing. And that's, that's the line of demarcation between complaining and or between guilt and shame. I want to complain to you about what you're doing. I don't want to criticize you or shame you for suggesting that you are a certain type of person. And that's on the receiver for receiving it correctly and not personalizing it. But it is, to your point, on the sender. Mm -hmm. You have to stroke. <laughs> I always say it. But I'm not going to finish that statement. You do, but before you bring truth, you actually do need to stroke the ego of your spouse or child. It, you need to paint the whole entire picture for them. Before you pick up your underwear, it needs to be, sweetheart, I love you. I'm for you. I think you're fantastic. There's one thing that I want to talk about. And what so did, you need what to, did Jesus do to the seven churches? Exactly. That's exactly what he did in Revelation. It needs to be, you need to go out of your way. You know, almost like, ah, I'm treating my spouse like a two-year-old. Like, I need to... Yes, yes. Your spouse so easily feels unloved and disrespected. If you've had one business course in exactly. management, they teach you that. Yes, you have to earn the right to be heard. And so it is stroke them. I am for you. Now pick up your stupid underwear. You know, so it, yes, it's on the sender as well. And I want to, and this does not mean that you don't have anything negative to say. Complain all day about what they're doing. And why what they're doing is not helpful. How Believe us, I mean, our feel. spouses have more than enough yes. to complain about. So complain about behavior, but I'm not going to, in Gottman's words, I'm not going to criticize you, which is a, a global condemnation of who you are. When we use phrases like, I can't believe that you would blank. Your behavior is so crazy, so off the mark. So we want to avoid using you are statements. Because especially to a child, but to anyone, because you are tends to be followed by a name, a tag, a classification. You are declaring them something. And when we're angry, most likely we're not declaring them to be something great and wonderful. Keep in mind, to just to wrap up, guilt is good. Complaining about behavior, absolutely good. I still have some things to say. Jimbo just kind of shared, kind of as the sender of the critique or criticism, kind of how do you not heap shame on somebody else? But from the receiver, how do we not feel received? Accept it. Mm -hmm. First thing, you have to change your viewpoint from works-based worth and value to positional worth and value. We grow up believing what we produce actually brings us worth and value. And obviously, academically, professionally, like that makes sense and that is true. But relationally, we have position with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We have positional worth and value. 
And then with our family and friends, we have positional worth and value. And these are our deep, you know, intimate friendships we have positional worth and value. Positional worth and value. Simply because your heart beats, you have it. Yes. So my daughter, if she's president of the United States or a convicted felon, I'm going to still see her as extremely valuable. If there was a burning building and Jimmy was in one and my daughter in the other, I'd run for Ruth. Hey, 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 <laughs> Is hey, that hey. And that's simply because her heart beats and she's mine. No, it's because I'm fat and I'm old and you figured I'm going to die anyway. That's true. Like Ruth, her life is more valuable at this point because yep. she has more years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How does that feel, though? Mm-hmm. That's you weird. The, the fat frying? <laughs> I bet it would be smell like bacon. bacon. <laughs> huh. That's weird. Anyway, simply because her heart beats. So we have positional work. So it's our faith, family, and friends. Get away from this idea of what I do behaviorally gives me worth and value. With your strong, intimate friendships, with your family, and with your faith, you have positional worth. And so no matter what you do, if I leave my underwear on the ground, I'm still good. I'm still okay because of my positional worth. The I'm a second good person thing who leaves underwear on the ground is you've got to recognize your mistakes, but don't define yourself by them. So you make a mistake, get over it and get in line. So does everybody else. Don't stick there. Don't define yourself. I've done something bad. Therefore, I am this mistake and then live life accordingly. A mistake needs to be here one second and gone the next, and you need to pick yourself up and not boo-hoo over the things that you've done wrong. Stop living in the past of your mistakes and aim to do better in the future. And so recognize your mistakes, but don't be defined by them and understand that you have positional worth, not works-based. Guilt, good. Shame, really bad. We want to complain about behaviors, but not criticize and just shove shame onto people. If you want, shove shame, shove, shove shame, shove shame, shove shame. If you want more information about this show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find us on all the socials at that website as well. We would love for you to review, share, and do whatever else you need to do on this show. We appreciate you listening. See ya. Bye. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox Evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com.